If you're happy to be in church on Father's Day, can I hear a hallelujah? Now, I know you guys are hot, so I'm just going to be only two hours today. Is that okay? Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. If you're a father, would you just stand up right now? We want to bless the Lord for you coming today. Let's give it up for all these fathers here. Awesome. We love you. We love you. I got a special gift for you guys at the end. So today we're going to do it differently. You guys may be seated. Normally we would do it before the sermon, but we're going to do it after the sermon. And trust me, I got good gifts for you. And what we're going to do is want to take pictures with you and your family out back in the back parking lot at the little porch we have there with the cross, you wearing a Superman cape. So I want you to wear a Superman cape with your family because I really believe you guys are heroes. We're going to be learning about the word today in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 about godly fathers. Somebody say godly fathers. Thank you. We are in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians learning instructions for the family. How many believe we need happy families? We need happy homes, and it's only going to come God's way. So let's look at it. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the first component of a happy home is everybody serving Jesus. From the oldest to the youngest, we've got to submit to Jesus. Right here, we've lost half of the culture, haven't we? Because the culture that doesn't acknowledge Jesus can't ask for a happy home, can they? They really can't. They can try to do it. They can do their best, but they're borrowing from the Christian worldview to do something that they're not empowered to do. In other words, it would be like my daughter Bethany taking the keys to the car and trying to drive it, but she doesn't know what she's doing. Yes, people have sexuality and children and marriages and can call it all of those things, but if they're not submitting to Christ and then one to another, they cannot have a happy home. Somebody say, help us, Jesus. Amen. The first part that Paul talks about of a happy home is wives. How many believe you need a wife to have a happy home? Amen. Wives, submit, to your, uh, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. The next one we hear about is husbands. How many believe we need husbands to have a happy home? Okay, so now we just lost Ellen Degenerate. I mean DeGeneres, right? So it doesn't say wife and wife, right? And, and we just lost Donald Trump because it doesn't say uh, husband and wife break up for a younger model, then husband and wife with that newer model break up again another model. We've just left the Clintons because it doesn't say husband with an intern in the back of the White House. Come on, somebody. We've just lost Lil Wayne and most of the rappers today. We've just lost Cardi B because it's boyfriend and girlfriend shacking up. So is it any wonder we have a messed up culture today if we have messed up homes? No, the culture is only a reflection of the home. I'm going to say that again. Your culture you live in today, 21st century culture is a reflection of your home and our homes as a culture. And so we have to see we need wives submitting to husbands as unto the Lord. So now we've just lost Oprah Winfrey, who's in a shacking relationship with Stedman. We've lost most of the culture already right now. But how many want to do it the cultural's way? No. How many want to do it Jesus' way? Okay. So how many want to have a wife in the home? How many want to have a husband in the home? How many want to have wives submitting to husbands? Amen. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands. And how many things? Everything. Thank you. So God put order in the family. I say this because I need to clarify. Husbands do not have the right to abuse their wives or their children. That is never an excuse given in the Bible to do those kinds of things. So if you're in an abusive situation, please talk to us today and we will help you. The submittance here or the submission is one unto the things of God. That's a no-brainer according to the Bible. The Bible says if you hurt a young child, it would be better for you to take a millstone, hang it around your neck, and go drown yourself in the sea. A millstone was like a one ton rock that was drug along by ox that grinded out the grain and the Bible says that's what you should do to yourself before hurting a child and obviously hurting a woman someone that's innocent now we don't want you to take your life if you are an abuser confess your sin serve your time for your crime and come out a changed man amen okay I got half an amen on that but I'll keep preaching uh, verse 25, now the word is to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So should husbands have two girlfriends? No. Should they have five girlfriends? No. Should there be polygamy? More than one wife. No. Husbands, love your wife. We were made in the image of God, male and female, Adam with Eve. Adam wasn't supposed to have Eve and then Barbara and then Michelle. 
God gave grace to the Old Testament culture with polygamy, but every time it was done, there was a curse that came with it. Read the stories about David. Read the stories about Abraham with Hagar. Uh, polygamy was never blessed in the Bible. It was only tolerated, and then the New Testament, it was eliminated. Can I hear an amen? So husbands, love your one wife just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with the water through the word, and to present him to himself, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Some may say, take care of your wife. Amen. Husbands, you are to take care of your wife. This doesn't mean women, you can't be independent and take care of yourselves, but you need a husband that cares more about you than he does his motorcycle. You need a husband to care more about your shoes than he does his shoes. Now, if you have a woman in the house that doesn't know how to be responsible, husbands, you can help them do that. But I mean that husbands need to stop putting sports, the bar, and their own hobbies above their wives. They need to make their wives shine. The Bible says Jesus makes the church shine. Look at your neighbor and say, get your shine on. You are supposed to get your shine on with Jesus. You are supposed to do that. And husbands, you're to do that for your wife. As we've learned here in the church, husbands, the value of your Christian walk, the value of your manhood would be seen on the countenance of your wife. Is your wife happy? Is your wife shiny? Is she radiant? Is she without stain, wrinkle, blemish, holy and blameless? Then you are a good husband, sir. I don't care how many stats you can give me about the Cubs. I don't care if you're watching the World Cup right now. The question is, is your wife happy? Is she satisfied? Oh, come on. Y'all need to say amen, even if you are hot. Come on. Y'all ain't going to be too hot for the barbecue, are you? Y'all ain't canceling your barbecue now, are you? Now, listen to me. This is a hot day for us. It's okay, but it's going to get back into the 70s. Now, if you think this is hot, what else is hot? Hell, you don't want to go there. So just look at your neighbor and say, don't go to hell. It's too hot for you. You were made for heaven. Look at verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. There are two things that I care about above everything else, my body and my bride. If you mess with my body or you mess with my bride, we're in trouble. Some may say, well, what about your children? I love my children, but if I don't have a body and I don't have a bride, I don't have children. You see, I can have a body by myself, but that doesn't mean I'm going to make somebody. I got to get it on with somebody else's body to make another body. So I've got to treasure my body and stay alive, and then I got to treasure my wife so that we can multiply. So the idea is children are a blessing of you taking care of your body and the wife, somebody else's body. So men, I know you like to take care of your bodies. Now don't get it twisted. A lot of times men just think the women be taking the selfies and Instagram. But I see men all the time taking their pictures. They'll find some car that's not even theirs in a parking lot. They'll be like, hey, listen, dude, take a picture of this. Take a picture of this. It's not even your car, but take a picture of me right here. You know, or they're at the gym putting in work, you know, or taking that selfie. Dudes, you know you love yourself. Look at your shoes. Look at your clothes. Look at your watch. Look at your jewelry. Take care of your wife because Christ takes care of the church. That's the motivation. The motivation isn't take care of your wife because it's just the right thing to do. Why is it the right thing to do? It's because marriage exemplifies Christ and his body, Christ and the church. So how much more should we love the church as well? How, do you love the church? Are you happy to be in church even though it's a little hot? Come on, somebody. Bible says we're members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. How many believe God gave us sex for a reason? The Bible says to becoming one flesh is what God gave us sexuality for. You were made a sexual being. You are not asexual. You are either a male or a female, and that's because God wanted to do that in union to reproduce. So sexuality is a beautiful thing. It's an original version to multiply the human race. But what is something that's off the original version? What do we call that? A perversion. Somebody say perversion. You see, what is a perversion is a diversion from the original version. So God made one man, one woman to come together in one flesh. But look at verse 32. The coming together in one flesh is a profound mystery. But he says, that's not sex. That's not necessarily a mystery, even though it's a great miracle. Think about how two people come together. The man gives the seed. The woman gives the egg. And inside the woman's womb, another human being is created. Isn't that beautiful? That's a miracle. We should never take that for granted. But it says, that's not the mystery. 
mystery he's talking about. What he's talking about here is Christ and the church. So what was the purpose you were given sexuality for? Just to make babies? No, you were given sexuality to represent God's plan spiritually with the human race. So like how a man and a woman get together physically and become one in flesh is how God spiritually becomes one in spirit with the church. The union of Christ in the church is an example to us of sexuality, or in other words, sexuality is an example of union. So how many of you today would be honest and say you like sex? How many of you are going to do it God's way? In marriage, for life, now guess what? You're representing Christ in the church. Now, I have to say this because sometimes people say, well, does that mean that Jesus has sex with the church? No, sex is a physical representation of two becoming one. Y'all get that, right? Two becoming one. How do you think they become one? Not just by holding hands, not just by hanging out, by having sex. So then what is the mystery? The mystery is what you see physically in your bedroom as a husband or a wife is what Christ is doing in your spirit. And long after sexuality, long after reproduction, because the Bible says when we're in heaven and come upon the earth, we will no longer be given in marriage or have children and those things. We will then be, in one sense, asexual or not reproducing. We'll still be male or female, but we'll forever be in union with the church or union with Christ as he is with the church. So think of it this way. You are for a time period a mother, a time period a father, but when you ascend into heaven, come back to reign, you are forever a child of God. Can I hear an amen? So to close up this little mini message on marriage, how does the Bible tell us to have a happy home? Look at verse 33. However, each one of you, somebody say each one. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So the happy home is built upon the wife honoring and serving and loving her husband as Christ does the church. And then the church loving Christ, right? You being a part of the church. And then watch this, the husband taking care of the, the wife as Christ does the church. How many want to have a family like that? Amen. Now today we're going to talk about fathers, and so I want to look to the passage about parenting. We've already talked about mothers a few weeks past, so go back and check it out if you missed it. But let's read these four, four verses together as we get to talk about fathers today on the count of three. One, two, three. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So is that the order of the family that God gives as a suggestion, or is that a command? That's a command. So how does everything we just learned look like when you put it in a chart? And you guys can share it. You know, my notes are online. Put this on Facebook. Show the world. The order for God's family is God, church, husband, wife, children. If you remove any of these components, you're in trouble. You try to remove God out of your life, you are in trouble. You remove the church out of your life, you're in trouble. Because where are you going to be trained to be a husband or wife? Do you think Oprah, Dr. Phil, Steve Harvey is going to teach you how to be a husband or a wife? And then if you remove a husband or a wife out of the home, the children are going to have the effect. They're going to feel it. We know that this is the God-given order. Is there any other order that you want to have in your family? I know sometimes people say, well, you know, it's a 21st century pastor. I can kind of get God in the church stuff. But I think the wife, boop, 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 should be right there with her husband. Is that what the Bible said? No, because then you have a democracy, two voting. How do you settle a vote in a democracy when there's only two votes? Hello, somebody. See, stupid is as stupid does. Don't imitate the world. The Bible says he gives the last voice to the husband, the last vote. You may be a woman here today and you say, well, I don't like that. Well, then you got to take it up with your creator because this is the way he made it. If I was a woman and I was in your place, I would trust God more than I would trust Oprah. Why am I using public names right now? Because I want you to understand it doesn't work. I want you to look at it in the real world. It doesn't work. But as I've taught before, is the husband a different quality of a human than the wife, a better human? No, they're both equally human. Just as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all share divinity, and the Son submits to the Father, and the Spirit submits to the Father and Son, they are still what? Equal. Just because my wife submits to me doesn't mean we're not equal. We are equal. It's just she submits to the vote that God gave me as the final authority. And just because my children submit to me, that doesn't mean they're
not equal. They are, of course, equal because they are human made in the image of God. And so some have wrongly taught that man was made in the image of God. And then woman, since she came out of man, was made in the image of man. And that's why she's been made to uh, man rules over her. No, no, no. The Bible says it wasn't until women fell that, first of all, we were made in the image of God, male and female. And it wasn't until woman sinned that she came under the headship of her husband. Oh, y'all didn't know about that? Open up your Bibles to the beginning. Say, now it gets started. Oh, yeah, I like to look at you guys in church. You got to know that. I like to see what your reactions are. Some of y'all didn't know that. I want you to see this right here in chapter 3 of uh, the book of Genesis. Somebody say the beginning. When God begins to speak to Eve, I want to see how she got into the position that she was because they would have been equal and there wouldn't have needed to be a democracy, etc., because God made them in his image. So let me just show you right here as he curses the, uh, the, the earth and then he says to the woman, look at verse 16, I will make pains in childbearing. How many now are mad at Eve even more? Because Eve sinned, now childbearing hurts. It wasn't supposed to hurt. Now look at what it says. With painful labor, you will give birth to your husband. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. But was that the way it was meant to be? Y'all get quiet. Come on, somebody say no. Shout it out like you know it. Help me preach. You think you hot. I feel like I was telling them, I feel like I'm a McDonald's hamburger right here. These lights are really hot smoking on me right now. Look at what the Bible says. It says when he created them, he created them male and female. Look at Genesis chapter 1. I'm just getting scrolling here. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. So God created mankind, humanity. In his own image, in the image of God, he created him. He created just Adam. Is him a singular or a plural? Singular. Is them a singular or a plural? So God created them, male and female, he created them. So who's made in the image of God? Just man or man and woman? When did man become over woman? When they sinned. That was part of the curse. Which part of the curse for man is that man is going to have to till the ground, the weeds. So every time you pick up those weeds, man, you just need to blame Adam. Everybody that doesn't like doing landscaping, right now, I have weeds growing up in my garden about the size of bushes. I'm just about ready to start trimming them and, and just putting lights on them for Christmas or something. Uh, if you are a landscaper and you want to come do some landscaping, I will pay you. I will literally pay you to save me from that. But that's part of the curse. And the, the natural world having hurricanes, all of that's part of the curse. So the earth was cursed, man was cursed, and woman was cursed. The two ways you can remember it is with, with her motherhood giving birth, it would hurt. And it was with her wifehood, she would be under her husband. Can I hear an amen to that? Now back to your regularly scheduled message. You guys ready to keep on going? Amen. And so when we look at the order of the family, now we have a choice to make. Is it any wonder that many fathers who have made the wrong choice have had devastating effects on our culture? Think about the epidemic we're facing right now with fatherless homes. How many of you are just tired of hearing about Chicago on the news all the time? I mean, I listen to the national news, and every time they want to point out a place in America that's crazy, what's the first city that comes out of their mouth? Look at Chicago and how crazy Chicago is. Look at Chicago, how crazy it is. I, I went to Dallas to go for a wedding for Brandon Holt. I got into the Uber. A guy said, where are you from? I said, Chicago. He told me more about Chicago than I did. He said, oh, y'all got this, you got this, you got that. I'm like, man, you must know a lot about us. Half kid. But what do you think is the number one problem in Chicago? Bad politics? Somebody said violence? I'll tell you what the number one problem in Chicago is. It's the number one problem of our nation, generation, fatherless homes. Violence is a result mainly of fatherless homes. Look at these stats. Those who come from a fatherless home have a four times greater risk of poverty, seven times more greater risk of being pregnant, have behavioral problems, more likely to be abused, two times greater risk of losing their child, more likely to do drugs, more likely to be in prison, two times more likely to be obese, more likely to commit crimes, two times more likely to drop out of high school. 24 million children today are growing up in fatherless homes. How many can look around the culture today and say, I understand that? How many of you have seen fatherless homes and the problems that it's caused? It's obvious, friends. If you remove what God called the head out of the home, 
What do you think is going to happen? Now, I want to say this right here that some of you may say, well, what about the single moms who are breaking the statistics? Well, first of all, praise God for the single mom. But ask her, do you want to be a single mom? That wasn't her first choice. Now, I'm not saying women need men and have to be dependent upon them. Some women are doing amazing being single moms because the baby daddy, they shouldn't be with. I'm totally with that. Trust me. But what I'm saying is if if you ask the single mom, what's the ideal situation? She's going to say to be with a godly husband, a godly father how many believe that amen so what happens if people break the exception single moms that's because the mom is an exceptional mom how can you have an exception to the rule is if you have a mom right here that's like erica bringing her family to church she's an exception to the rule because she's an exceptional mom let's give it up for our single mom sitting there getting called out in service don't stop clapping because she's shy give her a real hand clap come on god bless you Now, what do you think are the stories that come from our church of fatherless homes? Most of you here today, look up at me, don't get shy now. Most of you here today in this church, because I've been pastoring you for a while, I know come from fatherless homes. Either your dad was not around, or if he was around, he wasn't good. And so when we talk about Father's Day, you think I'm talking about what he did or didn't do. First thing is, Let's forgive him and pray for his salvation. Amen? If they're still alive, let's pray for their salvation. Number two, let's not be bitter. Let's get better. So what I want to do is I want to call up two people from our church who came from fatherless homes who are going to give testimonies of how no matter how bad their past was, God gave them a better future. So let's give it up for TJ and Jackie as they come testify. Come on, give it up for them. About God being a father to the fatherless, a helper to the oppressed. Ain't nobody like my Jesus. Ladies first. Jackie, are you blessed? All right. Tell them. All right, you guys. Hello, family. Um, I'm here to share my testimony. So I came to this church about two years ago. Um, The way God found me in the past, I I was that girl that would run off with her boyfriend and, and think that by going by city to city, and I would start a new beginning with him. And it would always end the same, right? It would always have the same ending. It wasn't so much that he would hurt me with his hands, even though there was physical treatment. It was more the words, the, the restrictions he had, that I couldn't see my family, that I couldn't have friends. Um, it led me to be a really broken, a really broken person, right? Um, and you might think, what does this have anything to do with being fatherless? Well, that's where it began. My dad was an alcoholic ever since I can remember. He's been drinking his whole life. Um, the way that my dad was, was he was that person that would bring the beer to the parties. He'd be that person to take the leftovers because he wanted to continue drinking at home. He would be the one to flirt with different women in front of my mother. He would be the one that um, you can find in an alley, you know, stained pants with urine and condoms in his pocket. That's how, that's how much he would drink. He couldn't find himself home. Um, and would have to carry him and take him home. So that was, that's a little bit of my history, um, right? And coming to Jesus, having to see what a real father is, getting to know, uh, you know, what love really, what really, what really was, it, it blew my mind because to me, love was something fictional. Love was something that you would only find in movies, only something that princesses would have, something that was far-fetched. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for my life. Um, but it, it happened to me. It happened to me when they were explaining to me 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. I blew my mind. I was like, this is love. God, li- God gives this, and I can have it, and, and I can share it. it. It blew my mind, and it changed my whole worldview. It changed my heart, um, and, and that's why I stand here before you to testify. You know, God's, God's love is real. He is my father today, and, um, you know, I continue to pray for my real father because he's still with me today, um, that he will be safe to salvation, but that's, that's my story, right, that I, I, fin- I finished my first year of Bible college, you know, pursuing full-time ministry. So I give God all the glory. Hallelujah. 
Um, so for me, I never grew up with my dad. I never met my dad. I Still to this day, I don't know him. I don't have a relationship with him. I never had that um, personal relationship with him or anything. And so growing up, it made me really angry. It made me really mad because I seen all my friends. You know, I seen all my, uh, my friends hanging out with their dads, you know, t- um, their dads teaching them how to um, build stuff. T- their dads teaching them how to uh, you know, uh, play football or how to play sports or, you know, or, uh, or do um, play catch or anything and all these other things. And so growing up, it made me really angry because I was like, man, you know, my dad, you know, why is he not there? Why is he not in my life? Why is he not, uh, you know, have a personal relationship with me? Uh, does he care about me? Why, uh, you know, why did he leave me or anything? And so growing up, it made me really angry. It made me um, go to the point of uh, anger and suicide and, you know, wanting to commit suicide uh, when I was, like, uh, in seventh grade and everything and all the way into high school. Uh, And this is the reason why I started smoking weed. This is the reason why I started talking to girls uh, type of way. This is the reason why uh, I did all these things because I never had that father figure to tell me, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be acting like this. You should be living holy. You should be living pure. You should be living righteous. I never had that personal relationship with him, so he never got to tell me, oh, you shouldn't be uh, talking like this. And so growing up, it, it, it just changed my whole view. Like, I was just, you know, angry, mad. You know, I, I broke walls and everything uh, until I got to meet, uh, until I gave my life to God, until I uh, gave my life to Jesus uh, in the summer of 2015. And when, first time I ever experienced the love of God, it, it changed my whole life. It changed, it changed, it it changed my whole life. Uh, I got to uh, tell my friends about the love of God. I got to tell my friends, uh, my family about the love of God. Um, God taught me how to be live, uh, to live holy. God taught me how to live pure. God taught me how to live righteous. God taught me. He was like, you don't have to live like this anymore. I, I got something better for you. I got blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings for you. You don't have to do these things anymore. And man, I'm telling you, God's man, God's glory and God's mercy and grace. You know, what I mean, I deserve, I deserve to go to hell, man. I deserve to do all these, uh, I deserve to be locked up in anything, but God had grace over me. God had his mercy over me. He had his hand over me. He was like, I have something better for you, TJ. You don't have to do this anymore. I have something better. I have blessings on blessings on blessings. And this is what God did in my life. You know what I mean? Um, and right now we're going through this, um, uh, in Elevate, we're going through this, um, um, this, um, fatherless, uh, um, series. And, God is uh, moving and touching these youth. God is touching so many youth who have fireless, um, uh, who, who come from fireless homes. So many youth are getting touched by the love of God. So many youth are getting touched by the, the mercy and, and the grace of God. And so I'm telling you, if you guys are, are fatherless, if you guys grew up um, fatherless, if you guys don't know your father, God is there. He is the father to the fatherless. He is the God of mercy and grace. He is there. All right? So I'm telling you, this is what God did in my life. This is what God did in me. He turned a, a, a a person who was wicked and who was who was broken and he turned me and he gave me everlasting life hallelujah so yeah this is what god did in my life and i believe god can do it in your life as well amen let's give it up for him come on praise god if tj didn't tell you he's also called to preach as well just in case just in case he didn't tell you he's in our bible college you see not only do fathers protect us from the physical things, from the spiritual things as well. Now, I have my dad here, and he was a godly father for the years that I was brought up, but I still went to drugs and made bad decisions. Adam and Eve had a great father, God the Father, but they still went Adam and Eve. Uh, they still went the way of Satan. So fathers do not ensure that children will always do right, but they give them the best opportunity. It's like imagine going to the Serengeti Plains right now and to the African uh, Plains there, and then you go to sleep. Would you want to sleep as a four-year-old child? Imagine your four-year-old child self. Would you want to be there by yourself or with your dad? <laughs> Come on, by yourself or with your dad. And that's the difference is many of us grew up without a father and so it was by yourself. So you became an easier target for the devil. Y'all get that illustration? The father provides a blockade to the enemy. There are other stories that we could tell here today, but I have the stats and facts online if you don't believe me. But when we don't have fatherless homes, when we don't have fathers in the homes, there's a higher rate of lesbianism and homosexuality. They don't want to talk about that today because they want to say this is a choice. But we've seen people change their choice and come to Jesus. Even though they say they were born that way, we've seen people get born again another way. Amen? And so that's a part of the decline of the family. The problem is now we're seeing higher rates of lesbianism and homosexuality. We're also seeing higher rates of suicide among men. 
All the men look up at me, please. What you're now seeing is an epidemic among men committing suicide, especially in middle age. And one of the highest reasons, or one of the greatest reasons for that is because the high rates of loneliness, which lead to the suicide. So what this is telling us now is that men, instead of giving their youth and their vigor to their children, they're giving it to the clubs, video games, their career. Then they find themselves 40, 50 years old. Testosterone levels have gone down. And now they are alone and they're dealing with it in harmful ways like suicide. That's not my stats. That's the world's, if you don't believe me. And then, of course, single motherhood is a strain on women. How many believe that? No matter how strong the single mom is, it's a strain. So what are the problems? The th problems are from crime to homosexuality, lesbianism, to the problems of our culture, to the suicide of the men themselves who have taken themselves out of the family, out of the protection of God, and single mothers struggle. Everybody look at your neighbor and go, newsflash! Come on, somebody shake up one of their kids and say, newsflash! Come on, shake up one of these kids right here and say, newsflash! Can I give you guys a newsflash today because of what all the problems have brought? You might have forgot. Here's a newsflash. Man was made biologically to be a father by God, married to one woman, and to have children and live in a happy home. There's the newsflash. You want to know the answer to our society's problems right now? Men, be men. Don't have sex unless you're married. Then raise the children that you have as a loving husband and as a great dad. We'll change the whole culture. Okay, if you don't think that's a newsflash or worthy of us getting excited, what is? How are we going to change the world? Well, we're just going to go to church. We're just going to go to church. If men aren't in church, they're missing out. Those men won't change God. Or they won't change the world because they won't have God's power. Do you want someone like Donald Trump to be your moral example to your children? Do you want someone like Bill and Hillary Clinton to be the moral example to your children? Who's supposed to be the moral example to your children? Mothers and fathers, you. Somebody said, Jesus, where's Jesus live? He's in heaven. Jesus said you're to be like him on this earth. So yes, Jesus is the answer, but how is Jesus the answer? It's like people say, well, Jesus going to pay my bills? Yes, he is because he's going to teach me how to work to pay the bills. See, Jesus teaches us the answers to the problems. The problems have a solution. Some of you just may walk around the world today not understanding, like, why is it the way it is? It's because we've lost the foundation. God made us to have a family. Look at it again. This is how, well, let me just help everybody. If, if we didn't have a God, would we be here right now? From nothing, nothing comes. So we only can be here by a God. If you don't have a church, would you have the message of the gospel and the Bible in your hands? Would you know anything about God if it wasn't for the church? No. If there wasn't a husband getting together with a wife, would there be ever any children here? So all of these components must be in place. Do you all see it? They're non-negotiable. Somebody say non-negotiable. Amen. Now I'm going to preach it to you. Look at your neighbor and say that was the introduction. Let me give you now five passages about fatherhood. When we look to the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Do you know that the only reason why a man is to be alone like Jesus or Paul is in solidarity to the service of God? That means if you are not called to be in solidarity, not, no such thing as a pope, no such thing as a priest, just in solidarity to God, if you're not called to do that, you are literally commanded to find a wife, men, to be fruitful and multiply. I had a guy tell me one time, I don't want any more kids. I'm thinking about getting a motorcycle. Stupid is as stupid does. That motorcycle will never do for him what a child will. That motorcycle will never do for him what he needs children to do in his heart and soul. The Bible says man was not meant to dwell alone. Man was meant to have a wife, and man was meant to have kids. Those, the Bible says, who have a special call not to do that, like Jesus, some of the prophets, like Paul, are then to be totally sold out to the gospel, not their career, not just going to make money and take vacations so they have more expendable income. Those are the ones that will fall under the loneliness and other perverse behaviors. Can I hear an amen? The Bible then says in Psalm 130, uh, 127, children are a burden from the Lord that you will have to complain about on Facebook every day. Is that what it says? Children are a burden to have on church on Sunday because they should be in the back and let somebody else take care of them. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward for him from him. No one should have a pregnancy and go, oh man, I can't believe that happened, especially as a dude. When a man hears of a pregnancy, they should shout out and say, I got a reward. 
That's how men should look at children as your reward. Life is not about you, sir. Life is about the plan God has for you, and you will never be your happiest until you're living your fullest in God's plan. There is nothing you can do outside of God's plan that will fill the hole in your soul. If you are deceived to think you know of a better way, you are deceived on a path to destruction. Children are inheritance from the Lord. Now remember, we're talking about marriage, not sex outside of marriage. That's perversion. God made us to be male and female, husband and wife. But even if there was a bad decision, do we murder the child? No, we don't murder the children. Many, many children have been born out of wedlock that have become great men and women of God. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in your late 30s after you've gotten your college education, after you've lived together with three girls, after you did all that you wanted to do and saved up 50000 That's when you have children. Ooh, gets quiet. Come on, somebody be, she should be shouting me down right now. The Bible says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. In the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. You say, should we give uh, uh, marriage ceremonies to boyfriend and girlfriends in high school? No. Youth to them was somebody right around the age of 18 to 25. That was a youth to them. As a matter of fact, most of the time, they didn't consider you a man until you got into 30. But in the youth is between 18 and 25. They promoted it in their culture that you would marry young men and be warriors for your culture and your community. Not waiting until you're in your 30s, now just going to have one child and four dogs and then call them your children as well. You see, the Bible is the truth and the culture has lied to you. Blessed is the man who only has one because too many kids will be a stress on you. Blessed is the man whose quiver is what? Oh, y'all ain't saying it like you're up or, or even, even halfway here today. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, I'm not here to say that you are not to plan your family. You can do that. But make sure you're not using birth control that kills life. Just do it in preventative measures. Use natural birth control. But I want to tell every single person here, you were meant to have a big family. You were meant to have children and to have your quiver be full of them. Every single man here today. I remember going to Bible college and one of my friends told me, how many blessings, Joe, would you turn down from God? How many rewards would you turn down? How many amazing things would you turn down? That's what we're doing as men when we turn down having children. We're saying, God, I don't want to be blessed. I don't want to be a warrior. I don't want quivers. I don't want rewards. I'm going to take my life into my own hands. And how is it working out, 21st century man? You're more depressed than your grandparents and they had 12 kids. You have less resources, and you get to use a phone and a car and all of those things, but you $5,000 in debt, and they could leave farms to their kids. And now you want to tell me my Bible's antique. You don't going to listen to this. You have to listen to this if you want to be successful. Psalms 128, verses 1 through 6 says, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. Somebody say, be obedient to God. See, I want to be obedient to my Father. You will eat the fruit of your labor. See, you'll like what you do for work. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Is that how you think today, fathers? I hope you do. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you. Here's my prayer for every father here today and every young man. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Now, I love my Bible. Some may say, I love the Bible. Some may say, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Shake somebody next to you and say, God's got your back. I want every young man... Every young man that thinks living for God is lame to look up at me and say, my God's got your back. I want you to hear this. Listen to this scripture. Y'all ain't ready for this. Talking to the men, the young men. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your old age. No, in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. 
Y'all ain't shouting good enough, and I'm too embarrassed to look at you anyway. But Jesus, I just want to take a moment and thank you for this scripture. Because I love my wife's body. I love every part of her body, God. And I thank you. You gave it to me to satisfy me. And all the men acting like they better than this, Lord, looking at BigHooters.com. I'm not too religious to take a moment to say, thank you, Jesus. See, I'm intoxicated with my wife's love. That's how the Bible said we should look at it. Women, you were given body parts to be a mother and to attract your husband. Men, you are giving body parts to be one with your wife and to enjoy procreation. The Bible's got your back. Now, does this mean we objectify women and only see them for their breasts and their butts and the parts of their body? Absolutely not. The Bible says beauty starts inwardly and is expressed outwardly. But you were given a body for a reason. And I pray that every man here will fall in love with the body of their wife. And I pray that every wife here, though she may have children in the body, will change and age will come upon you, will age gracefully, and that you will shine forth as the sun and be a shining light of beauty in your family. Psalm 68, verses 4 and 6 says, sing to God. How many got something to sing about now? Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Don't you know our God rides on the clouds? Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord, or Yahweh. He is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of the widows in God in his holy dwelling. Is God in his holy dwelling. Now look at this next verse. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Why is it so many people are lonely today? It's because they're rebellious. Can I have everybody look up at me? I know it's hot, but I'm here to preach to you. I love you too much to let you go because you're uncomfortable. Come back next week with all your friends. It's going to be in the 70s, but listen, you're here right now. Hear me today. We are more depressed than we've ever been before, even women as well. We talked about that during our time about mothers. What is the answer to loneliness? It is a family. And we're so rebellious in this culture. We're so rebellious. They look at all, uh, the depressed person looks at all the world has to offer. These two that just committed suicide. One was a famous chef and a cook traveling around the world. Another one was a famous designer. They look at all that they have, and it still doesn't satisfy them. They look at all that they have accomplished, and it still doesn't take the pain away. And they may even look to their loved ones, and it's not enough. But I want to tell you something. When you have Jesus in your heart, God coming first, and you got the church, and you know the word of God, you can look at your husband or wife and say, you satisfy me. You bring me joy. All the world could go to hell in a handbasket, but if I have Nancy, I'm making it through. If I know that my kids love me and I love them, it doesn't matter what happens. Don't you remember hearing that? I know some of you have been around for a while in church. Maybe you grew up with your parents or grandparents, but don't you remember hearing those stories about maybe grandmother waking up? She said, oh, I woke up today. wasn't feeling good, but I just started praising Jesus, and I just started saying, thank you, Lord, for my life. Thank you for my children. Whoa, and he put a pep in my step, and he turned my frown upside down have you ever heard somebody testify like they've been in a black southern church i don't know but i don't know how your grandma was maybe she wasn't black and southern but listen to me she might have woke up and said jesus i just want to thank you for today but how many know old timers knew how to get up and praise god because they were thankful for their families and you need to learn to do the same can i tell you what the world wants to put in front of you how many know who 50 Cent is? It's supposed to be 50 cents, but he's so cool, he calls himself 50 Cent. 50 Cent. Now, 50 Cent's a part of a new TV show coming out, new series, and he wants to show you what it's like to be machismo to how to be a dad. I want you to see if you relate to this because I'm about ready to destroy this worldview because this is the way some people think being a dad is, but not Lance. Lance came to church. Go ahead and start it over again, please. Thank you.
See, now how many think that's machismo? How many think that's being a good father? See, that's what the world says. See, that's how the world teaches them. Hey, man, let me clean my gun when my daughter's boyfriend comes over. That's folly. That's stupidity, my friends. Let's just back that up. And let's just look at 50 Cent for a minute. Number one, his wife is dressed scandalous, already setting the example to the daughter of a scandalous woman. Number one. Number two, he probably sexed her up before she was ever married. Now he's saying, I don't want somebody to do that to my daughter. No, Jack, you're going to get a man for your daughter just like you were towards the baby mama. The next thing is he thinks he's going to threaten him to get him to respect his daughter. He don't even respect his daughter enough to stop committing crimes. And y'all going to put this guy on Oprah and have him tell you what it's like to be a dad. These guys play make-believe. Play make-believe. Let me tell you who the real heroes are here today. Daryl is a real hero. Daryl, would you stand up with, with your baby right there? Come on. Give it up for Daryl. Bottle in hand. That's a man. That's a man. That's why I know it sounds cheesy, but I've got a cape for him to put it on and take a picture with his family because that's a superhero to me. That's a man putting his family first above all else. Now, does God bless that man to enjoy friends and family, uh, to enjoy hobbies and, and not just have a family? Yes, we don't just have families. I am not just a father. I'm a lot of other things too. But there is no greater call that I will ever have than to be a father. And so I want to share with you guys what are the attributes of a good father. Can I share that with you now? Because it's not being machismo. It's not just showing up, acting like you're all tough now. Because listen to me, men. Your children won't listen to what you say. They're going to follow what you do. So ask yourself this. I want every man and every young man to ask yourself this. Do you want your daughter to date a man like how you dated their mother? Do you want your children to be a dude like how you were a dude to the woman that you're with now? Is that what you want? Do you want 10 more of you? Because that's what fatherhood is. It's multiplying yourself. That's why God so loved the world. He gave his son that his son might multiply himself upon this earth. We are now in the image of Jesus Christ. And so if you're not saved today, first thing is you need to be a child of God. All good fathers are first children of God to God the Father. Number two, be an obedient disciple of Jesus. Keep his commands. Come to church. Be right and then ask your children to be right. Number three, be that loving husband and provider. And I understand that there's times that are tough and maybe at times your wife may make more than you. And trust me, I know your wife is smarter than you because I hang out with most of you dudes and I know your wives are smarter than you. But that doesn't change the fact that you're still a provider for your family. And then number four, you are a pastor. You are a shepherd to your family in the home, on the pew, and everywhere you go. My fathers that are here today, I believe you can do this by the grace of God. Amen. If you believe it, would, you, would everybody stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Come on. You made it. Come on. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Some of y'all look like you're tortured today. Man, I hope that you enjoy coming, though. Altar workers, hold up for a minute. I want to pray for the fathers now. Can we give it up as all the fathers come to the front? Let's give it up as the fathers come. We're going to do altar work in just a moment. Every father, come and just face me right here. I want to thank you for being a father. God bless you. Dad, thank you for being a great dad. I want you to know that. Every father that's here, thank you for being a great father, setting a good example. Brother, I thought I saw you there. I didn't recognize you at first. This is Pastor Robert Boyce. Let's give it up for Pastor Robert Boyce, one of my friends from Bible College. God bless you. Thank you for being a good father. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do, sir. I'm really proud of you, man. Come with your daughter every week. God bless you. Thank you for being a great father. God bless you, men. Come on. God bless you. I want to thank every one of these men up here today. Every one of these men, we are thankful for you guys being in the church and all that you guys do. This is what, to me, is heroes. Would you all step up just right here? Can I just look at you real quick before we go? I just want to pray for you as I would pray for myself. God bless you, brother. You're a good dad. I want to pray for you and have the congregation pray for you. And then we're going to give you a gift. And the pictures are in the back and will be on the Facebook page. But I just want to say, gentlemen, we as dads need to go to Abba Father all the time. Hit our knees to get up with answers. And I want to tell you something. You're not alone. There are times that I have thought to myself, what am I doing? 
I've got kids. I've got bills. The job, the church, people are looking to me. What am I doing? But every time, somebody say every time. Every time, men, I'm not saying it's always been easy, but I'm saying every time I have come to my Father in heaven, he's always been there with me. I don't know how you guys deal with stress. I was a stress eater. I gained a lot of weight. I had to lose it. Watch your weight and watch how you eat. Another way that I realize that I, when I'm stressed, I become easily angry. Check yourself, man, before you wreck yourself. But this is what I noticed God would do in those moments when I was stress eating, when I would get angry out of stress, is I would hear the still small voice of God saying, there's a better way. There's a better way. Now I've been married almost 13 years. This week is our 13th year anniversary, and we're expecting our sixth child. And I want to tell you, if God's done it in me, man, he can do it in you. And it doesn't matter where you are at right now at this journey. You may be uh, like Alex. Your wife is pregnant. You're about ready to have your first. Or you may be like my father who already has grandchildren and great-grandchildren, right? Because Josh is now have a child. You have great-grandchildren. So it doesn't matter if you're a soon-to-be dad or a great-grandfather here. God's faithful. Amen. Let's stretch our hands towards these awesome men of God and pray for them. Father, we ask you to bless them, to strengthen them, to use them for your glory. If they ever feel weak, may they come and be made strong in your presence. May they be all that you've called them to be. May they not be afraid to ask other brothers for help because they're not alone. Lord, I pray that their wives will support them, those who have wives in their lives, and that, Lord, they will enjoy their jobs, even though some may not have the job of their choice right now, Lord, but they'll enjoy the fruit of their labor until they can do what they really want to do in life, Father. I pray you bless them going and coming. You protect them. You protect their children. May they be like warriors, God, in this culture. We, we need them, God, to be the heroes. And may they forever, forever be your child, looking to your help, receiving your strength. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. As they turn around and face you, would you give them a standing ovation right now? Come on. We've got these wonderful gifts to give you, fathers. It's a s'more set with some books and chips. It's up to you if you want to share it with your children. We're going to dismiss in just a moment as they're getting their gifts. I want to remind everybody that family pictures will be in our back parking lot. So don't forget that. Get that with your family. And let's pray before we go. Let's have one of our dads come up. Steve, would you bless us before we go? And then the altar workers will be here if anyone needs prayer. Thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for being the father to the fatherless, God. We thank you, Lord God Almighty, for just giving us the example of what a father is, God. Your love, God, your grace, your mercy, God, your discipline, God, everything that you are represents the ultimate father, God. May we follow you all the days of our lives as fathers, Lord God, created in your image, God. May, Lord, we come to you for grace, for strength, for wisdom, for knowledge, for understanding, God. Lord, to make the tough decisions, God. Lord, we pray that we will look unto you, God, for all these things, God. And, Lord, that we will remember how you treat us, that we will treat our children the same way, God. Lord, have your way. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day. Enjoy life groups. And don't forget the pictures out back. Have a wonderful day. Altar workers, we have some single altar workers. You guys can come up. If anyone needs prayer, likes to ask Jesus in their heart, or just have someone to talk to, we're up here. Otherwise, we'll see you. Have a great day. Thank you.